welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Welcome to the ABCA's mini-series, Father and Son. In this series, we cover the coach-player and parent-child relationship through the eyes of the coach and their sons who played for them. This is a truly unique relationship, and this mini-series should be of value to any coach, parent, or player. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy Father and Son. Next up on Father and Son are Bill and Kyle Decker. Bill has coached collegiately for 31 years, the majority of those seasons at Trinity in Connecticut. He's been the head coach at Harvard the last eight seasons. In 2019, Harvard won the Ivy League Championship and competed in the NCAA Regionals. In 21 years as head coach at Trinity, they had, a regional appear- they had nine regional appearances, three World Series appearances, and won the national championship in 2008, going 45-1. Kyle played for Bill in 2012 at Trinity, winning a conference championship and competing in NCAA regionals. Kyle finished his collegiate playing career at Oberlin. He played professionally in Australia and Belgium. Kyle's been on Harvard's coaching staff since 2018. He coached Harvard to their first regional appearance since 2005 in 2019. Welcome to Father and Son. Here with Bill and Kyle Decker. Appreciate you guys coming on to Father and Son with me. And um, uh, hopefully you guys are doing okay. But thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Ryan. And I'll start with both of you. Um, Can you both talk about the decision uh, for Kyle to go to Trinity and, and play for you, Bill? Ultimately, it was it was his decision, um, you know, coming out of high school, and obviously, Kyle kind of grew up in the dugout, you know, with us, and a lot of good memories and a lot of good moments along the way, you know. And then it came to that time in high school where, you know, where does he want to continue his career as a student athlete? Um, and I think he had some was weighing some options, but at the end of the day, you know, he wanted to come to our place and and kind of continue. Uh, playing on the field that he was a bat boy on and, and whatever else for so many years. So uh, at the end of the day, it was his decision. Um, he probably can reflect on that more than, than I can. Kyle, how long was it in the process for you until you made that decision? Uh, it, it took some time. Um, obviously, throughout the summer, um, you know, weighed options, had a bunch of schools uh, interested, and I kind of need, just needed to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I think, you know, I kind of delayed my decision just based off of uh, – Know, the high school football season going on um and you know when it came down to it, those final two schools um you know it just seemed right uh to go to trinity you know always a you know special place sort of thing um i guess initially when i you know, committed uh to trinity i was planning on playing football too but uh obviously that never happened um so i played into it too but um ultimately i think what i decided is i wanted to play for my dad it's kind of you know the goal is to win a national championship um i wanted that moment um didn't come to fruition, but, uh, you know, that was the, um, I think that was the ultimate factor. Just, it just felt comfortable, felt right. 
uh, kind of that's where the stars align sort of thing, in, you know, in my mind at that time. When did you decide to stop playing football? Uh, probably after I got beat up pretty good my senior year. <laughs> uh, I think it was sometime in the spring where um, I was just, you know, I made my peace with football, um, you know, had a good run, good high school career, but um, it was just time for, you know, baseball only. I mean, at that time, the goal was to do whatever it takes to, you know, play professional baseball, um, you know, like most kids out of high school. Um, so that was a goal. Um, I just felt the need to uh, just focus on baseball. Now you show up there. How did you guys handle the father-son and, and player-coach relationship then? I don't think it was an issue for us. I mean, it's uh, kind of grow up with it. And, you know, I think the thing that I've always tried to do is just, you know, treat all my kids like they're somebody else's kids too. I mean, look at all these coaches that have been in this profession. We spend, we spend so much time of our lives with everybody else's kids. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's like what's going on right now in the world, Ryan. I mean, there's free family time. Nobody ever expected this, but, you know, I, I never felt that there was anything, uh, you know, from me, it's more, more so sometimes you go through some, some moments about, well, you know, it's his kid and all that other stuff, but that stuff, you know, I've always believed you can control what you can control. And if it's out of your hands and, you know, people are going to say whatever they want to say anyway, but I think by and large, it was, it was a really good situation. Obviously it was, uh, a little bit premature due to my, uh, my, you know, leaving Trinity to go to Harvard, but um, it was really enjoyable. You know, that, that one year we had together, um, you know, I believe Kyle Crick, if I'm wrong, we were a game away from going back to a series or a regional, or we were in the regionals and just, a, just didn't play well down the stretch in that one game, but it was fun. Kyle, how was it for you with your transition then? You go from being in the dugout on, on the, the sun side of it, bat boy. How was that, that first semester for you transitioning to, to them playing for your dad? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it, you know, I think, you know, the dynamic with the teammates um, could be, could have been hard at some times. I mean, I was a freshman that, um, you know, I came in and played right away, but I also know, you know, specialist, you know, I worked, you know, worked my tail off getting ready to play. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was tough, but it was good. It's what I wanted. It's, it's what I expected. I didn't expect to, you know, you know, I think always being a coach's son, whether it's me or, or anybody else, you're going to hear whispers of daddy ball or something like that. So, I mean, I grew up with that, you know, coming in little league, you know, going through little league and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I've kind of, I was talking with uh, you know, Tim Hall about head coach at Grinnell uh, yesterday. And he always talked about that. You know, I always have a chip in my shoulder even now. And, you know, it's something I just always had. So, I mean, it was fuel of the fire, I guess, at some point. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was a good run. I mean, it didn't, it didn't change stuff. It was a bonding time. Um, you know, we we'd sneak down and, you know, take extra reps in the cage or sort of thing between my classes. And it's, you know, after going to Oberlin, it's stuff that I didn't do because my dad was a head coach. It's stuff that I did at Oberlin too, where, you know, I'd always, you know, had a good, really good relationship with coach Abrahamowitz and, you know, my hitting coach, Eric Cormel, where I would go down and hit all the time whenever I had free time between classes. And, you know, it's something I was going to do anyways. Um, just a type of you know player I was in that mindset. Talk about that. So your dad goes to Harvard, um, you stay at Trinity for the year, and then you go to Oberlin. Just talk about that process a little bit. Yeah. Um, so my sophomore year was a um, – it was a difficult year. Um, you know, looking back on it, you know, it was more of a uh, – you know, it was a tough emotional time for me just trying to digest everything and still be in there. Um, but, you know, Oberlin gave me um, kind of a fresh slate. Um, you know, I went there because – you know, I had a friend that was on the team. It's something that I wanted, and I also wanted to kind of just you know, get out of New England, get out of the NESCAC. 
Um, and it was good for me. And I started fresh and, you know, kind of put my own stamp on things for you know, the back half of my career. What were some of the things that you learned going to Oberlin? You know, your dad's not there. Your dad's coaching at Harvard. What were some of the things that you picked up being around somebody that that's not your dad? Um, I mean, just another way, no, different ways of approaching the game. Um, I think Coach A was, you know, kind of a more laid back sort of coach and kind of put the onus on you to be, be the player that you want. I mean, um, you know, it's obviously Oberlin's tradition of baseball has obviously changed um, within the past 10 years, but it was kind of um, wasn't maybe the most committed bunch sort of thing. I, I want to say that loosely in case they hear, but, you know, the, I think the atmosphere changed around the time where I, you know, the, in the, the years coming up um, to me being at Oberlin, um, you know, with, with Phil Brewer and, and Brandon Cantrell, that kind of class, that kind of set the mark where, you know, Oberlin, you know, Oberlin baseball players are going to start working hard. Um, that's what we did. And I, you know, I became part of a great senior class that, you know, the foundation was always there and I kind of just, you know, added to, you know, added to the puzzle sort of thing and just kind of picked up uh, where they were already headed. And that's not an old story. All of us that have gone new programs, you know, whether it's playing or coaching, there is a little bit of that mentality switch that needs to happen if you want to start winning more games, just from a culture standpoint. Bill, talk about that a little bit. Were you able to, to watch Kyle at all play? And it's tough with the Division I schedule. Were you able to watch him play at all after that? Yeah, as, as much of his games, uh, Ryan, that were on, you know, video or, or you know, the casts that were out there. Um, you know, I did the same thing in the summertime. Anytime I was on the road recruiting and if you catch, a, you know, one of the summer games, you know, it's you do did what you had to do. But, um, you know, I obviously followed fairly closely with my wife and, um, you know, because of what we were doing, it's tough to get out there. I mean, I think, uh, I think I was in Tampa one year, I forget who we were playing down there. And, you know, we were kind of done uh, with our spring break and Kyle's spring break at Oberlin was a little bit later. So I caught a Sunday flight. We typically give our guys two days off anyway, you know, after a 10 day trip. So, um, I flew out Saturday night or Sunday morning. I can't remember. Saw a couple games out in Arizona and flew home for practice on Wednesday. And then um, I think the only other time I was out there might have been a senior day, which is, you know, I kind of got in the car after a ball game at 6 o'clock, 6.30 at night and, and drove the, you know, 10 to 12 hours just to show up for a senior day. But you know what? Those are things that we that we should be doing, you know, and that we want to do. It was uh, – it was good, you know, and, and I have was, I was had a chance to meet Adrian, you know, over the years at, at different events that we were both at. So, I mean, I know he was in a good place, you know, a little bit further from home. But, you know, as Kyle said, it was his chance to kind of get away and, and be on his own and, you know, try to build his own little legacy, so to speak. You guys get to go to a regional together in 2012, and then Bill talk about the 2008 national championship season. You guys go 45 and one, uh, and you'd been building for a while. You've been at Trinity for you were at Trinity for 21 years. Talk about that 2008 season, and then uh, obviously the 2012 season where you get to go to the regionals with Kyle. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had a pretty good run. I think the first time we went to the regional was 98. But there was a string of, you know, nine or 10 in a 12-year period. But I think, you know, that 08 team was pretty good. Um, you know, we had gone we had gone to the National Championship Series in, in 03, then again in 05. So we had a little bit of idea what we were in for. Um, and, and, you know, in, in those first two um, National Championship Series, 
you know, we didn't win a game, but I never felt that our clubs were overmatched. But, you know, we had a good group in 08. Um, they went to a regional before the year before. And it was just one of those things where we kind of got on a roll and didn't try to micromanage too much, just kind of let the kids play a little bit. And, you know, we were able to avoid, you know, all the bumps and bad hops and bad calls and, you know, all that other stuff. Uh, pretty resilient group to just kind of, hey, let's just move on. And it just, you know, one thing after another, and all of a sudden you find yourself winning a national championship. So it was awesome. Kyle, and you guys are coaching together now at Harvard. Go to the regionals last year. Talk a little bit about what you've brought from being at some other programs, getting away from your dad now, what you brought um, to Harvard's program now coaching with your dad. Yeah, um, obviously I learned a lot uh, in my first stop under uh, at UMass under um, head coach Matt Reynolds. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to infield play, that's kind of, you know, what I is my priority here at Harvard. But I think everywhere I've been, I've kind of just been myself. Like, I've learned different tidbits along the way, um, you know, from the infield play to hitting stuff. But I feel like I've always been myself sort of thing. So I guess not much really has changed if that's a way of answering that question. Um, I think one of the, you know, things I've always had a pretty good feel for doing is being able to relate to younger guys. And I think that's an advantage of being a head, uh, excuse me, of a, being a young assistant coach. Um, so that, I think that's almost like my biggest strength that, you know, at this point in my career is being able to kind of speak their language in so many ways and having gone through it, um, just a short time ago. And it's an advantage that you're coaching guys that you didn't play with. Cause that, that uh, yeah. that's I a mean, tough yeah, thing. I, think, yeah, I had to go from playing at Evansville to, to the volunteer position at Evansville and I'm coaching guys that I played with, but think it makes it a lot harder transition when you're trying to coach guys that you played with. Yeah. Um, I know, um, you know, right when I finished at Auburn, I, I graduated in the fall of 2016, and, and Coach A had talked to me about staying on. Um, at that time, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to do. I wanted to keep playing. Um, but, yeah, it, I'm sure it would have been tough. Um, I guess there's some sort of a dynamic here where, you know, when I was back home over winter break, I was still trained with, you know, I was still trained with local Harvard guys. Um, you know, Jake McGuigan's a close friend of mine that was a senior in 20. 15. So I worked with those guys, but I don't believe any of those pro those guys were still um, around last year. Um, maybe a couple of the seniors when I was coming back from overseas um, were here, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tough dynamic. Um, I'm fortunate not to have done it um, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to deal with. Um, I actually, you know, now thinking back now is I did help out in the, in the fall. I was back at Oberlin and that, I mean, I was, I wasn't uh, really a coach. I was kind of a student assistant, just kind of be there. I would, I'd help I'd help out hit fungos just so I could, you know, could hit before practice or whatever. Um, at the same time, I'm live. I was living with two of my uh, teammates in a house, um, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't an authority figure by any means, and nor did I really want to be at that stage. Just trying to kind of help out. What have you brought? You played in Australia and Belgium. What have you brought from those experiences now into the coaching side? Um, I mean, I've had my fair share of highs and lows when I was, you know, overseas. Um, you know, being away from home for so long, uh, I guess you, you learn to value kind of your parents and their role in it and how much it means for them to be there. Um, you know, especially the California kids that we have, you know, they're, they're, their parents sometimes only get to see them on spring break, uh, typically early in their career. Um, but I guess the kind of the highs and lows in the games and really how, you know, as much as you put into one game and, you know, going three for four is great, or sometimes you have over four games. Like when I look back on my overseas experience, I remember my teammates and the people that I met, I don't remember, you know, struggling in Australia. I don't, you know, I don't, 
it's not it's not something that comes to mind uh, when I think of you know that six months I spent in each spot. Bill, what's the biggest difference between Division Three baseball and Division One baseball? Uh, obviously, there's a there's a you know there's a little bit of a gap, um, and I say there's respectful to to everybody at all levels. I think there's a little bit of a gap. There might be a little bit more athleticism. You might have a couple other guys from either side that can really, you know, bring it. Um, you know, guys might be a little bit bigger and stronger at times, but you know, I, I think it. You know, I, I think if kids invest in themselves and and, and really want to be where they are, I mean, too many high school kids get caught up in trying to be a Division One guy, and there's only so many spots out there and who knows what we're going to go through, you know, this off season into next year with, with what's going on in the world and so many kids coming back to these rosters, but um, you know, it's a, the bases are still 90 feet apart. It's still 60 feet, six inches. Uh, you know, the game, the game might get a little bigger. It might be on a little bit different platform or stage, um, but I'm, I'm an advocate, you know, it's what I was brought up doing at the division three level. I was given an opportunity uh, because of some successes, obviously, at Trinity to even be in the mix for a position at Harvard uh, it was not an easy decision to leave. But, you know, it's just sometimes we get labeled as a Division One guy or a Division Two or Three guy. And, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, that OA team at Trinity, I believe we had five kids at some level who went to play pro baseball. And it, not because of us, it's just because they kept on working. So I'm not, a, I don't, I really, Ryan, don't get caught up in that conversation too often. And I think you're a great example of, of you're at Trinity for 21 years. You win the national championship. Guys that can coach can coach at any level, just like players. The higher-end players at every level are going to be able to play at any other level. It's just uh, that's part of the deal. And I, I, I'm the same way. I don't buy into the D1, D3 thing. Like it, It's never factored into me. And I would tell kids that in the recruiting process as well. It's, it's about finding the right fit. And that's Absolutely. the most, that's the most important thing is just find the right fit. Uh, and yeah, it may be at the division one level, but for a lot of kids, that's not going to be the best fit for them because they may not get on the field then either. So find a place you can play at and where they want you to like that. That's a big part of it as well. That I think kids discount is go where somebody actually wants you to, to be. Yeah. You know, we all want a little bit of love along the way in this process. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot, as you know, you know, during your time coaching, and this, there's a lot of tough decisions to be made, and and sometimes you got to be a lot lucky. You got to be in the right place at the right time, and I think more importantly, you got to be selfish sometimes. Not selfish as people, but selfish to your needs in the program and what the program wants. So, you know, I, I think this game is still all about relationships. It's still all about educating young people. It's still about caring people. And sometimes players, just like we went through, you don't really understand that in the moment, you know, but by and large, I think, you know, across the country, people in our profession are trying to do the right thing. And looking at your transition to go from Trinity to Harvard, I've said this forever. I think it takes six years to get it exactly where you want it to. Some guys don't get that opportunity to be at a place for six years because an AD may pull the trigger before that. But I do feel like it takes six, seven years to get it to where you need to get to, which is a lengthy process. Can you talk about that a little bit? And then how gratifying it was for you guys to, to win an Ivy League championship. You go to the regionals, first time since 2005. Talk about that process of building it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Harvard went through a situation where, you know, Coach Walsh passed away unexpectedly in the end of July. Um, kind of sat there open for a while. And, uh, you know, you get on campus, um, I think it was the last Thursday in September. So you just kind of have to assess what's going on. Uh, the thing that I found out was that, that the student athletes that were there are, are really to this day, some of the closer ones that I've, I've gotten to know uh, in my initial year, but it, it does take a while. It takes a couple cycles, uh, not just, not because we get it wrong. It's more so because we want to get it right. And, and at our place, yeah, specifically maybe with, with a baseball program, you know, it's not like you can, you know, flip the switch and, and get 12 guys in and get all these transfers in and all that stuff. It's just not the way it works. Um, but certainly, you know, I, I felt that that 15 team was pretty good and I felt 16 was pretty good. So it was almost like we were knocking out the door, you know, and we just couldn't get to the other side. Um, and then we were affected a little bit by, you know, major league draft and some of our, our kids getting drafted and leaving Harvard after their junior seasons, which is great. Uh, but again, we can't, it's not like we got that other guy in the back room. Hey, we're going to roll him out. But I, I will tell you that um, it was uh, it was really rewarding, um, just because of the way we did it too. You know, I was in a conversation. I kid you not with uh, with a gentleman that I've known for about fifteen years, and he said to me, "He goes, Dick, nobody ever thought you could do this." And I kind of laughed, you know, because you know Harvard's not supposed to win the Ivy League and you know, that's just, that's, that, those are external things that we exactly. can't control. Um, we're going to focus on what we do. And, you know, our kids, our kids last year, they, they came in. It was our, it was our really first recruiting class. You know, we had a time to be there for a year and a half and made some connects and so on and so forth. But they were a special group. It was awesome. And it was, you know, we, you know, we're talking about this father-son thing. It was really good to have Kyle back in our dugout. Um, to experience that again, but, um, you know, winning the league, winning the playoff series, the way we did it with, you know, so there was some dramatics and then being able to go out to Oklahoma city and, and really play. Okay. You know, we just, we had some things, we had a couple arm injuries, but it was, it was awesome. And it was really good to, um, to really see everybody kind of really embrace you know, what we've been doing the last four or five, six years. He called, he called it too. Um, one of the, um, you know, my lifelong friends, his dad, uh, is a close you know, family friend of ours. Um, you know, I grew up playing Little League with, he came to one of our games, his, his uh, daughter lives in Boston now. Um, you know, and, and he said, Hey, your dad, your dad told me when he took this job, it's going to take him eight years to win a championship. And, uh, you know, kid, and we, that was before, I think it might've been our last regular season or when we played Columbia the first time. So you're going to win it, you know, he's usually got a good feel for these things. And, you know, sure enough, you know, you know, a few weeks later we did win it, but uh, you know, he called it from the get go exactly how long, um, he, you know, he foresaw it taking. Bill, how well did you know coach Walsh? Cause he and I went back to Cape league days. So just from that and then being on the road recruiting, you know, whether it was the Midwest where he'd come over and that's where I've known you too as well from coming in the Midwest to recruit, just talk about your relationship a little bit with, with coach Walsh. Yeah. I first met Joe when Joe was at Suffolk. And again, I can't remember the years that uh, we did play against one another when I was at Trinity and Joe was at Suffolk. 
Um, and I, I, listen, I wouldn't see Joe that often because we, re, we didn't, you know, recruiting back in the 90s was not what it was obviously today or even 10 years ago. But I would see Joe a couple times a year. Um, I would go to his, uh, his uh, play to win prospect camps, you know, at the end of uh, August, early uh, Labor Day, September. And, you know, we would just chat. I mean, he's uh, probably saw him two, three times a year, but, um, you know, that really, you know, those relationships you build. I mean, it was, it was terrible what happened, um, you know, and uh, the thing about Joe, what I remember from being at the camps was it was kind of a family affair with, you know, Sandra, his wife would do all the lunches and everything. And his, his daughters, I think Joe had four daughters were always involved with the camp. So it was just kind of one of those special kind of homegrown Boston guys that just wanted to be there and try to do things the right way. Kyle, do you have a question for your dad about the time that, that you played for him that maybe you've never asked him? Uh, <laughs> question. Um, I can't think. I might have to sit. On, I might have to sit on that one. <laughs> we can um, come back to it, Bill. You got? Do you have a question for Kyle? I, I can give you the answer. Whatever he's going to ask, because I'm the head coach. I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just want to. I guess I. I, I kind of. I didn't want to interject beforehand. Um, but there's a question you asked him about how he managed. Um you know, kind of, you know, when I was at Oberlin, him being at Harvard, coming back and forth and, and I bit my tongue earlier, but I just want to comment on it. Like, you know, he might've, he might've missed those games out in Ohio, a majority of them. Um, but he was kind of already always there for the big moments. Um, I hit my first, you know, college home run in my junior year. And I think he flew in the, the night before with my mom and, you know, they were there for it. Um, so, and then took him out to dinner afterwards sort of thing. Um, he was also almost there for the <laughs> the, the one time he got kicked out of a game as, as a player. So he wasn't too happy on that flight back. Um, you know, he was obviously there for the, the senior day too, which was a memorable thing. And then, you know, our magical run at Oberlin, um, my senior year where, you know, we kind of shocked the, the entire NCAC and, you know, won the whole thing. You know, he was out there in chill coffee. Um, I tried to get him to stay that last day, but he couldn't do it. Um, you know, and then he was there at the end of my career. When we made a run out in the New York regional too. Um, so he, like, he might, he might've missed some games. I'm sure he tuned in, but you know, he just always, he did always find a way to, you know, somehow, some way to always be there for kind of the, you know, the big moments sort of thing. Bill, can you talk about being a two sport athlete in college at Ithaca? Can you talk about that process a little bit? That was a long time ago. Um, and actually, you know, I got, as, as I've mentioned, and I don't get deep into it, but, um, I had a couple injuries, um, you know, after playing football and, and didn't play, it didn't play a as a freshman. And then I got nicked up again, didn't play as a sophomore. And then it was one of these things where, you know, what, let's just kind of move on. Um, and I had some, a little bit of issues with, uh, with a shoulder, even in high school. Um, but I, I always feel that it's one thing that's missing in college athletics right now is that there are still guys that are really good two sport athletes. And if they can manage it and still do well in the classroom, and actually if they can manage the dynamics of two different head coaches, if that if those things can all like intertwine and thread together, I think that's a special situation. Um, it's something that we have not had at our place, um, and that's a that's no disrespect. You know, uh, Coach Murphy, our head football coach, has done a wonderful job there. Um, we just haven't had kind of the right guy. 
so far, but you know, those are years you can't get back. It was competitive. Um, you always wish maybe you should have just stuck it out, but you know, you make decisions and you move forward, which is what I did. I, I did get involved, you know, with coach Valisani a little bit, who's still a friend of mine and a colleague in the sport, worked a couple of his camps and, you know, through my student teaching, actually stayed involved in coaching high school baseball. So, um, you know, you kind of, you never know where your path is going to take you, but it's because of the experiences along the way that might land you somewhere. And that's, listen, I got lucky as a young guy, you know, coaching two sports, you know, the Trinity, the Trinity gig opened up after I was at McAllister for one calendar year. I was fortunate enough, I think at 25 or 26, to get the head job and coach football as well. And, and everything kind of snowed, you know, spiraled after that. I can't recommend coaching dual sport guys enough. I had it for four straight years with two players at Western Illinois, Justin Fitzpatrick and Steve McShane. Both played a lot, football and baseball. And they had four different football coaches in their four years at, at Western. Uh, but it was, for me, it was, I loved the experience of it. Uh, and I agree. I think more coaches on the football and baseball side or basketball, ba whatever you can do, I just think it helps. And in talking to my dad, too, we always had dual soccer baseball guys at Evansville as well. So I, 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 I was kind of around it. I loved I loved the mentality that those two guys brought to our program on the baseball side, on the from the football side. Yeah, he had a lot of success of it. Sorry to cut you off, Dad, but he had a lot of success at Trinity too. I mean, you talk about that 2008 team. You know, Tim Kiley, you know, the ace of the staff was a was a football baseball kid. You know, Chandler Barnard, who went on to play, uh, you know, lengthy career in independent ball. Um, you know, was a baseball football guy, and then even before that, I'm, I mean. Uh, Jeff Natale, who's the, you know, the great, you know, my dad, you know, when we get, when you talk about the greatest hitters ever played for him, you know, he's the guy that comes to his mind was a, was a baseball hockey kid. Um, so I, I think he played that to his strengths at Trinity very well. Yeah. I think it's much easier to do too, you know, at a, at a, at a division three school where you don't get caught up in, you know, the traditional and non-traditional seasons. And, and I listen, I, I value, you know, what those division one college football guys do and, you know, they have a job to do and, by golly, if it could ever work out for a special kid every once in a while, I'd jump on board. But, you know, even kids in high school, you know, we want those kids to get banged around a little bit, whether it's soccer, basketball, hockey, you know, it just do it while you can. You know, sometimes we we try to specialize and go one way, and then if that doesn't work, you got nothing else going on. So why not? And I know everybody talks about kind of the injury with, with the football side. I think it helps limit injuries on the baseball side if they're playing multiple sports. Do you feel like that's a way that we can grow the game of baseball at the youth level is to allow kids to, to play more sports growing up? Yeah, I do. You know, let them run around a soccer field. Let them, you know, I mean, Kyle did the same thing. Let them play peewee or midget football and basketball or youth hockey. Uh, maybe not the hockey thing because that's a tough one you know, all the travel involved, but um, I just think it's what kids should be doing. It's part of their development. You're around different people, you know, at different seasons, you know, you might have this group of friends in the fall and this group in the winter and this group in the spring. So it kind of broadens, it broadens who you are as a, as a person, but you know, as the seasons change, so should the sports. And I know we're in a different world right now. And I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way it used to be, but you know, the old days, as you remember, it was 
dinner was on the table at five o'clock. And if you weren't home, you'd starve, you know. Um, but kids were outside all day. You know, they were just playing ball and almost probably like the college guys are doing right now, right? There's no structured baseball right now. You know, and I know some of our guys are every Sunday get together with other New England guys and just go go out and feel for, you know, two and a half, three hours and have some fun, compete a little bit and, you know, try to occupy some of the time we're going through. Three of my favorite guys I ever coached, Curtis Muller and Brian Nabalski at Iowa and then Adam McGinnis, who's coaching at Western, played for me at Western Illinois, were three hockey guys. And you didn't see that very much in the Midwest, but all three of those guys were hockey guys in the Midwest that were ultra competitive guys that coached, but loved, they all three loved hockey growing up, loved it. Hand coordination, those guys can hit a golf ball too, I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. For sure. Kyle, what do you feel like playing the other sports brought to baseball for you? Um, you know, going, going back to high schools, I think it was, you know, the thing that comes to mind is just the, the friendships. Um, you know, my high, you know, the, you know, as in high school, I hung out really with this, the same three kids every weekend. And, um, you know, only, I think only one of them played baseball, but they all, we all played football sort of thing. Um, so I think the friendship things come to mind. Um, it's also just a way to take a, you know, mental break sort of thing. Um, you know, baseball, obviously a game of failure. Um, so when you're going to playing football, it's kind of, you know, it's first at 10 every time you got your goal right there. It flushes away any sort of, you know, baseball. It puts baseball towards the back of your mind. Um, you know, hockey did the same thing for me, too. It's just in a way to just to keep playing. Um, you know, I was very competitive as a as a kid growing up. So I always wanted that edge. And I'm not just going to sit on the couch um, doing whatever um, when I can be doing something that you know I enjoy doing. And it probably didn't take you very long to get back into it, right? Because I never felt like I was behind when I picked any other sports back up. Oh no, I mean, I still, I mean, I, you know, my when I as soon as I was able to start driving, you know, whether it be the fall or winter, you know, as soon as, you know, football lifts were done, you know, when it was in when it was in the winter after I gave up hockey, I would drive into Trinity and you know I'd hit before his practice sort of thing, or he wasn't actually practicing then, but I'd drive in, into Hartford and you know hit for an hour or two. Um, so I, I'd always find ways. And in football season, you know, we, he'd had stuff on the you know camps on the weekend. I'd still, you know, work out and, you know, hit if I wasn't too banged up sort of thing. Um, so you always find ways to, to keep playing. I mean, I had, there's a sock net in my garage that um, I, you know, I can, I can't tell you, tell you the amount of hours that I spent, you know, hitting to that net. And he's laughing now because he's probably remembering the holes I sometimes put in the wall too. When There, I, there are more minutes. holes in that drywall in that garage <laughs> than you can imagine. I mean, it was it was other sport. It was other sports too. I mean, I'd I'd take uh, like even with hockey stuff too. Too, I'd have a net and I'd shoot it into the you know, kind of the, the chimney thing in our thing, and I'd take ground balls, do like the um, the wall ball stuff. So I always found something to do, and um, I think that then that then transitioned into me, you know, when I could drive, also just like going to my high school field and you know, hitting it for hours on end. So I wasn't much too much for sitting around. I always got my fill for baseball or any other sport that sort of way. Kyle, what do you feel like growing up around it and watching that many games growing up has helped you now as a coach? Um, I think it helps me kind of like trust my my gut sort of thing. I mean, there's, you know, I kind of, you know, leading into this interview, I kind of like thought of things that might might come up and, you know, grow up in a dugout. I mean, I, I knew when we moved back in 2015, I remember going through my old stuff and cleaning up my room and there was something I made in kindergarten. Like, what do you want to be when, when you grow up? And you know, I was like, oh, it's probably going to say like baseball player. It was actually baseball coach. So like growing up in Doug, I always had that aspiration sort of thing. And I guess there are some things on a baseball field that I can just 
I kind of just figured it might happen this way. I, I don't know. It, it helps me trust my gut sort of thing. Um, that obviously, I guess, helps now. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it, obviously, now. Um, a lot more tedious work. But, you know, just being around the game, just seeing how different situations have played out, you know, kind of have a mental memory of everything. Bill, what do you feel like are the biggest differences now than when you first started coaching? Oh, boy. I felt that uh, – I think, you know, the game got a little bit um, – mechanical I don't know how many years ago maybe it was 20 years ago where we had to do everything one way and you gotta squish the bug and you gotta do all this stuff and what I felt was that we took the athleticism out of the athlete out of the baseball player and I think where we are today because of the athleticism of the people that play this game is really special and you know as Kyle said you know this game is tough enough as it is, you know, because of the mindset. But, you know, we've always, uh, we've always tried to dwell on those three positive at-bats as opposed to those seven negative ones and, and how you can be consistent in your approach. But, you know, that would be one thing. I think the game's changed, you know, and unfortunately, you know, a number of people playing the game dip, but I think it's on the rise again. Um, you know, reflecting back, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel as much interference outside the, uh, the dugouts and the, and, and the fence areas as sometimes we feel today, but with experience, you learn to just, again, just tune it all out, you know, control what you can. Um, but I think it's a special game. Um, I think the game is the pace has slowed down or did slow down and now we're trying to find ways to speed it up. And I think that's really important. Um, but you know, the end of the day, that's what makes this game so special. It because uh, everybody can't play. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of different components to it, and um, you know this has got to connect with what's down below and everything else. But it's changed a couple times. I'm, I'm curious to see what the next big change will be, yeah. and maybe we're going to experience it now. Yep. Yeah. And you've won multiple championships. What do you feel like you do to help? your teams develop a championship mindset? Well, I, I never get too high or too low. Um, I think being able to be kind of a level guy and, you know, when you got to get after somebody, you get after somebody, but that's not because you don't care about them. Yeah. Uh, and when things aren't going your way, you never want to never want to let anybody know that they got you. You know, they, they I, I might feel it, but I'm not going to let them know. Um, but I just think letting kids create their own identity at times, you know, um, there's certain things you got to do together. Um, and then, but kids are now very routinely based and what, you know, routine A might not work for this guy and routine, routine B might. So how you kind of mesh that all together, um, I think is really important. Um, and then again, everybody wants to be in everybody's business too. Well, why does he get to do that? And he got to do that. You know, it's, it's crazy, but I just think, you know, having some autonomy, letting guys just develop and have a little bit of fun along the way. You know, I hate when people say, why do you play the game? Well, it's fun. <laughs> well, winning is fun, yes. you know? Um, but I don't know if I answered your question or not. I don't think it's any one thing other than you can't, you can't try to control everything. 
or are you going to drive yourself nuts and you're going to drive your players nuts? Are you having converse, are you having team conversations with them? Like, hey, you know, you're all kind of individualized. I mean, you're at Harvard, you know, you're yeah. you're dealing with really highly intelligent, self-motivated kids that probably have gotten used to doing things their way because they are ultra successful in the classroom. They're ultra successful on the baseball field. How do you yeah. how do you address that with everybody? Well, that's a culture thing too, right? You know, I mean, I still think common sense is the best approach, you know, and, and that's what we say. But I think the biggest thing, and Kyle's experienced this now for a couple of years, is that we're just trying to get our guys to invest in one another a little bit more. Because if you invest, you're going to get more on your return. And I'm not just saying as, as, as baseball players. Yes. You know, we're talking about as people, you know, as teammates, you know, what we do in the academic world. So if we can kind of help one another out, you know, I think we're going to be in a better place. But if you have a divided locker room where there's three or four different groups, you know, that's a recipe for disaster in most cases. So just to try to get guys to, you know, agree to disagree and, and understand that there is more, more than one way to do it. And that, you know, between your clubhouse and our offices, you know, we are on the same team, yes. you know, and how we, again, get together is really important. How are you addressing confrontation with, with players, you know, just to let them know it's okay. Like confrontation's okay. Yeah. I mean, listen, if they want to take somebody out back and do their business, that's up to them, you know, but that's what they used to do in the old days, but you know, just work things out, you know, have an open mind. It's no different than, you know, guys that want to come in to the office and, you know, want to, you know, want to talk about something. And my only policy is this, you know, we're going to talk to one another like people. Yes. You know, we're not going to raise voices and scream and this and that because that doesn't get you anywhere. Okay. okay? And those things usually happen when guys aren't playing. Yeah. So I understand that. Um, so it's it's trying to be supportive, trying to be a good listener. Um, but the kids, you know, doesn't matter where you are. Kids have a lot of stuff going on in their life right now. You know, he has and, a unique way of like he. He gives the players, I mean, I know this from obviously being at Harvard now and then playing for him. He's a unique way of giving players that autonomy, but he also has that unique way of writing the ship sort of thing where, you know, he'll give you time to hash it out or, you know, if he needs to step in and be the voice of reason and the stern voice of reason, like he's going to do it. And um, the message is always there. Like there's always a a greater purpose message with it as as opposed to like, not as opposed, but in terms of like coming together, Um, but it's a unique way in a patient way of just right, finding a way to write the ship sort of thing. If I had guys chirping at each other at the end, I would give them like 30 seconds a piece to say whatever they wanted to each other, but then it was going to be over with. Uh, and just gave them that freedom to, okay, like it's fine. You're getting into it with each other. You got 30 seconds to say what you want to him, but he's going to have his say after that. And then it's going to yeah. be over with. Yeah. My guys still get a kick out of, I play it at least once a year is the old Augie Greedo video. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so you try to, you know, you try to do some of these things, you know, to, you know, and they like it. So like I, I said earlier, you know, for me, it's about the relationships, especially after 35 years, you know, and some of those relationships that maybe weren't as warm as they should have been are much warmer now yes. years later, yep. because I think people grow up and they understand it. Yep. So, and I'm the first to say, listen, I ain't, I'm not perfect but I'll be the first to admit when I make a mistake and Kyle knows that, you know, I just don't like people to hide behind one another. 
How many outside resources are you using with your team? You talked about the Augie Garrido video. What are some of the outside resources you're using with your team? Ooh, too many. <laughs> I think we're too far this way. We got to come back here. No, we, we're dealing with, uh, you know, the rap soto and the, the blast motion. And, you know, Dr. Tom Hansen's been involved with our program uh, this past year. Uh, thanks to, you know, Coach Stark, who, who met him on the recruiting trail last year. Um, you know, those are some of the baseball measurements. Kyle, did I forget anything? Yeah, but I, I, I guess this might be a little – I think Coach Brown is – he's not an outside resource, but everything he does outside the game and how he's stayed in our program has been invaluable. And, you know, he's not an outside resource, but he's, he's someone that, you know, is not here every day because of his other responsibilities, but is still very much, you know, involved in the program sort of thing. Yeah, we try to use our alum, alumni. That was one of my first things to get going is, 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 is really to get the alums, not that they weren't, to get more of them back involved. And it, it's not asking them for money. No. It's just their services. So, you know, we have a career night each fall. Uh, we have a mentorship program that's been recently developed, um, you know, because of the amount of uh, people we have in Major League Baseball at the, at the uh, you know, at the administrative level. Yep. Um, you know, we've had some town hall meetings with, you know, with Mike Hill from the Marlins and Dave Forrest and JP Moroso is the beat writer for NL baseball. Um, Jeff Breidich is with Colorado. I mean, there's a bunch of guys out there. Um, and actually on Monday or Tuesday, we have, uh, we've gotten some of our guys that are, have made it to the big leagues are going to do a town hall for our team just to keep it active. You know, not not to not to shout out loud about Harvard, but really just to bring people back in to what's going on in baseball right now. Um, there's so many things we can do, and I think we have to prioritize them. You know, and one of the things we've done in this period that we've been home is um, we had a presentation done by the Academic Resource Center called ARC on our campus, and and we're actually going to have a coach moving forward from their office to just kind of help our guys transition from high school to college. And you both can speak to this. I feel like 23 to 28, probably the, the hardest transition for ex-athletes. How are you helping your players transition, you know, once they graduate? Kyle, I'll go. I'll go. go ahead. Go ahead. I think I'm, still, I'm, still in, I'm still in that mode. <laughs> I think, and we talk about this too, you know, because there's going to be a time where players are going to come to the head coach and say, hey, can you write me a recommendation? And I'm going to say, well, what do you want me to write about? You know, um, you know, and I have said <laughs> over in the last 35 years, only a couple of times that I can't do that. Yep. I can't do that for you. And not because I don't like the person, but I don't, you know, I can't put my brand on something or somebody that was kind of inconsistent. Now we can talk about those inconsistency and in, in where they are and how they develop. I'm happy to do that. But, um, you know, we just uh, graduated five seniors or will graduate five seniors that Obviously, their career was shortened, and I, each of those guys had a letter has a, has a letter in their file because they're just outstanding guys. And Kyle knows this, and all of them are going to go on hopefully and, and take a graduate year and continue their their you know continue trying to play college baseball. But uh, those are tough years, you know, and you're going to have to grind it out. And obviously, you all want to make a fair amount of of monetary and cash and whatever else. But I think the biggest thing for me is. Try to establish yourself at some point, you know, whether it's the first two years, 
you know, and getting to your retirement. These are things that I didn't do when I was, you know, when I was going through the, through the process. But, you know, as you get older, those retirement <laughs> dollars and setting up those things, there's value to that as you as you kind of go down the other side of the mountain. But I did not do it right. I yeah. 28, 28 is my first year I had benefits. Uh, it's fine now, but uh, it, it you get behind a little bit, but I wouldn't have gone back and done it any different. And I actually yeah. wrote a, I wrote a recommendation this morning for a guy that played for me in 2015. That was his, his last year playing for me. So you still get it. Like it, it's yeah. amazing how much you're involved with guys, even after they're, they're done playing for you. Well, you know, they realize the value that you had, you know, because, hey, listen, whether it's a family situation, whether it's a girlfriend problem, whether it's this, this or death and whatever it might be, I think coaches are always there for their players. You know, and I tell my guys, if there's a family issue, if there's anything else, there is zero question mark on my this. You got to take care of that right now. So um, it's just the way I just the way I am. And we'll we'll figure it. We'll figure out another round of batting practice another time or whatever it is, but just don't underestimate the value of family and health. Yep. Yeah. Cause you're going to deal with it every year. You're going to have a, a player that has a grandparent pass away, parents getting divorced. You know, you, you're going to be that first line of defense for a lot of your players because you're around them every day. So they're going to be the first person that they go to when they're having issues. And, um, it's it's difficult a lot of those life issues that they go through at that time you know 18 to 23 they're they're gonna deal with a lot of life issues at that time so you are their first line of defense with that and you can make a huge impact on on how things go for that both both positively and negatively as well well fine uh, go ahead Kyle. you know it it goes the other way too um you know we, we've talked about uh 2008 um and you know the national championship where uh, not everybody knows that, you know, that's the same, that's the first season after, um, my granddad passed away. And, uh, you know, he, you know, his players, my dad's players are there, were there for him to, you know, pick him up and kind of hoist that trophy along the way. Um, so it, it goes both ways. I know, you know, I, I, I moved back home during the quarantine sort of thing. And, you know, that's something we, we, I walk past every time I go to my room sort of thing. So it, you know, at, at some point in some seasons, it fits, you know, the, the shoes on the other on the other foot sort of thing too, where the players are there for the coaches sort of thing. What final thoughts do you guys have? It can be on anything, parenting, uh, coaching, playing. Uh, what are some final thoughts that you guys have? Kyle, go ahead and go first. Um, I mean, it's still, still getting started in it. It's, um, you know, for me personally, it's everything I've, I've wanted to do. Obviously I have the, um, you know, the data looked up to, uh, to look up to with it. Um, you know, going after the kind of father and son thing that this is based around, um, you know, it's, he's not just my dad, he's my best friend sort of thing too. Um, so, you know, working for him every day, it's something special. Um, so it's not, it's a, uh, it's kind of a, um, you know, priceless sort of experience that I've been able to do. And then playing for him um, is also a, a priceless thing. And, you know, as, as, even though it got cut short, maybe, I mean, I think things turned out in the long run potentially for the better where, you know, it's kind of come full circle where, um, you know, you, we won a conference championship in 2012, um, which was his, you know, his last one before last year and, you know, kind of coming back and, and helping him get a, get a conference championship. Um, you know, it's, I'm not the reason, I'm not trying to say it was, but it's a, it's like a priceless thing to say, Hey, it came full circle where you know, I was, you know, I've been around him for the past two, uh, you know, championships he's, he's been a part of. I think, 
you know, just to continue to support, uh, obviously it's a, it's a different dynamic now, even as, you know, and I hate to say this, even as Kyle being a volunteer, um, basically volunteer just means, it's, you know, we're not paying him any money. He's kind of out there trying to do whatever he can, but you know, it's a blessing um, to be able to have a few extra years, you know, with your son or daughter or whoever else it is. And you get to see him every day. And, and certainly there's different challenges, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and hide behind anything I've said. I mean, there's been some tough moments along the way and they've been very few and far between the better moments are watching him on the field because you go back to his, his pedigree and his, his upbringing. Kyle's very comfortable on the field and he knows what's going on and people understand that. And he's really blossomed and it's good for me to see that. I mean, he's a better, he's a better infield guy right now at his age than I ever was. You know, that's why he's doing it. You know, I kind of stepped aside, but, but I think our players respect that, you know, and it's just, you know, trying to get him, you know, on somebody's payroll. That's important. But, you know, there's a list of guys out there, you know, who they are that have had that father son relationship. You know, one of them's a pretty good friend of mine, John Casey at Tufts. And, you know, John's had all of his boys, I think three of his boys play for him. And, you know, they've worked my camps and they're pretty close, you know, we're pretty close to them and, Kyle knows who they are now and, you know, kind of watch them grow up, you know. That relationship has blossomed. Um, just the, obviously, back in back in the day, the, the Trinity-Tufts um, rivalry uh, was something to be had. And, you know, it's, I feel like I talked with Coach Casey about it, you know, once a year at the ABCA, um, just how good, it, how good it was and maybe how it's not how it is now. Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen any games, but how special that was and how, you know, how, how you know, not only I'm older, but, you know, both dads are older and we can joke about it. And obviously Brennan keeps working our camps. Um, I said, whatever, for whatever reason that, that when I worked that play to win event this past, this past summer in, in New Jersey, and I got in a little lakes, I was working an event before and I didn't know I was rooming with coach Casey and um, coach Casey rolled over and says, Deck, you're getting, getting out late for an old fella. And he heard my voice and it spooked, <laughs> it spooked him. So what the, what the heck are you doing here? Um, so different stuff like that, where now, you know, guys who I looked up to as, um, you know, opposing coaches, obviously with the highest respect, but they're now like friends, they're friends with them now and to see them in that sort of light. Um, you know, coach Hollowaddy is is another one, you know, the Eastern battles with Trinity back in the day. Um, I can't think of of other, um, obviously, um, coach Woody at, at Wesleyan is another one that, you know, his kids are younger too. So now I guess I'm kind of looking up. I guess maybe I'm kind of that kid that might be looking up to in some sort of way whenever I come across them. Um, just different stuff like that. It's neat. It's neat to see. Yeah, the Casey boys are on with me here, um, so it's it was a good conversation with the the four, yeah. you know, with the the five of them. It's a it's a bunch, man. Like, and you know, with him, you had two play for him, two didn't. So it's a it's a very unique setting there in the Casey household. No, I think good, and you know, I think. I don't, you know, like John, I mean, you have different relationships as your kids get older and, and you're going to, you'll go through this as well, but it's just, to me, it is all about relationships. And if you have a good relationship, you know, and you know, what's buttons to push and you give the right input and feedback, you know, I think that's a blessing. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. This is special for me, but thanks for jumping on with me. Thanks, thanks so much, Ryan. Be safe. Baseball truly is America's pastime. 
We are all stewards of this great game. I'm so excited to shine a light on these unique perspectives. All of these guests show their passion and love for each other and the great game of baseball. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks for listening to Father and Son, and remember to leave it better for those behind you.